Hello and welcome to Nick's Snack for Neologisms, episode 23, where we define and discuss the most amazing words in the English language. Last episode, we covered edify, morose, contentious, and quagmire. And in this episode, we're covering contumacious, florid, vitiate, and usury. Ooh, those are some interesting, those are some pretty advanced words, you guys. Contumacious, contumacious florid, vitiate, and usury. Mm. All right, let's get on with our first word, which is contumacious. It's phonetic. It's C-O-N-T-U-M-A-C-I-O-U-S. Contumacious. C-O-N-T-U-M-A-C-I-O-U-S. Contumacious. It's a great word. It's an adjective. And it means stubbornly perverse or rebellious, willfully and obstinately disobedient. So I think a few episodes ago we covered obdurate. And obdurate and contumacious are very similar. I would say that contumacious has a component of obduracy, whereas obduracy doesn't necessarily have a component of contumacious. But to be contumacious, I think there's some obduracy in there. There's some stubbornness plus some disobedience. So you guys ever go to a local dog shelter, you know, maybe you're bored on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon, or whatever. You're like, I'm going to go walk a dog at a local dog shelter. You go and you look at some of the dogs. And you're like, this guy looks kind of cute. I think I'll walk him. So you throw a leash on him. And then the next thing you know, you've got the most contumacious little punk on your hands because he's dragging you every which way and he won't listen to any of your commands i would say that lots of dogs at local shelters are fairly contumacious not necessarily by nature but simply because they need to get their exercise out stubbornly perverse or rebellious willfully and obstinately disobedient and so stubbornly perverse just means stubbornly hard-headed stubbornly 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 (laughs) strong-willed Someone who's perverse is very hard-headed, kind of in a contrary way, which goes along with that contumaciousness. So some synonyms of contumacious might be contrary, pig-headed, factious, refractory, headstrong, intractable, hard-willed. All of those things are kind of synonyms, loose associations we can make with contumacious. Any of my listeners out there contumacious? I think when I was younger, I was definitely contumacious. I don't think it was necessarily conscious, but I think I was probably a little bit contumacious. Yeah, I remember, I think there was one day I told my parents I could do whatever I want, when I wanted, how I wanted, if I wanted, and something like that. And yeah, that was, they were not happy with that. I'm pretty sure I got, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I got grounded for that. So, yeah, I think I used to be contumacious. Not so much anymore. I think I might still be a little stubborn, but yeah. All right, so the way we can remember contumacious is you can think of the beginning of the word cont, like contrary, and then the macious part almost sounds like malicious, contrary plus malicious. So it's kind of a bad contrariness that we have. And hopefully that'll cue you into... Remember, oh, right, it means stubborn, stubbornly disobedient or something along those lines. So contrary plus malicious, contumacious, contrary macious is the way we're going to try to remember it. Because the contumacious student refused to obey the principal's instructions, he was suspended from school. 
Those who openly express contumacity should be edified according to our religious principles. And that's the noun, contumacity. It's kind of a fun word to say, contumacity. Those who openly express contumacity should be edified according to our religious principles. The cardinal declared the man contumacious, and he was excommunicated from the church. Rebecca is not only contentious, but contumacious as well, and I can't stand supervising her. Because my daughter refused to change her contumacious attitude about doing her schoolwork, she lost her cell phone privileges. That's what you get, daughter, for being contumacious. Yeah, I think contumacity goes along with sort of the middle school years. I think a lot of my listeners out there were probably contumacious during those middle school years, especially seventh grade, right? Oh, yeah. Now that I think back, I was a, yeah, I think there's some teachers out there that did not like me. Should any of those teachers be listening, which I'm sure is probably not happening. I'm very, very sorry. All right, let's move on to our next word, which is florid. It's an adjective. It's spelled F-L-O-R-I-D, florid, F-L-O-R-I-D. So it has two definitions. The first definition is reddish, ruddy, and rosy. So just kind of of a red nature, like a rose, right? A florid complexion. And you can see how this this first definition leads us into our second definition, which is flowery or excessively ornate or showy. So something's ornate, it's just overly decorated, I guess you could say, or I think of something that's ornate has brilliant colors and is very flashy. So if something's excessively ornate, it's a little over the top, it's showy, right? Florid architecture, florid writing, something along those lines. So flamboyant, flashy, beautiful, over the top, superfluous, pretentious, attention-seeking, brilliant, vibrant, show-off, Those are all perhaps loose associations we can make with the word florid. And usually, I guess when you see, well, you can see florid with either one of those definitions. I prefer the second definition because I think if it's a florid complexion, why not just say a red complexion? But you will see both of those definitions. So the way we can remember florid, there's two ways we can really remember it. So the first part just kind of sounds like flower, florid, plus rid or almost sounds like red flow red so it sounds like a flower that's red in color so i think that's a great way to remember it another way you could remember it is florid almost sounds like florida and florida is really pretty right you've got sunsets beaches lots of redness and tropicalness in florida so maybe that's a way you'll remember florid stands for red or for showy or excessively ornate or something like that the police officer was florid after being held up by a six-year-old boy with a water pistol. So that's kind of like saying the police officer was blushing while he was being held up by the six-year-old. Florid. Some might consider President Trump's residence florid with its golden walls and chairs. The king's attire was rather florid. He was wearing a magenta silk scarf manufactured from Arabian artisans, a crown fastened by gold and diamond lacework, and a fashionable cloak made of cotton harvested from Cairo. Yes, that would be a rather florid attire the king was wearing. Do not be persuaded by his florid display of wealth. He knows nothing about the stock market. Her own account of her escape is, as usual, so florid that it provokes the question whether she was really in any danger. Ooh, I like that one. 
That's a, that's a good use of the word florid. Her own account of her escape is, as usual, so florid that it provokes the question whether she was really in, in, in any danger. So there, florid is only is kind of synonymous with embellishment. You ever hear someone that tells you a story and you're like, I'm pretty sure they're embellishing. They're making up details. So florid, that was a very loose way of using the word florid, but I liked it. It was nice. Florid, excessively ornate, showy. So that's probably the simplest way to remember. It's just showy. Sometimes it's just too showy. Some of those cars out there are a little too florid for my taste. I've got too many bells and whistles. They're like supreme luxury cars. They're overly florid, I would say. All right, let's move on to our next word, which, which is vitiate. It's spelled V-I-T-I-A-T-E. It's a verb, vitiate, V-I-T-I-A-T-E, vitiate. It's got a bunch of definitions, but when I go through them, you guys, you guys will see they're very similar. To impair the quality of something, to make faulty, to spoil, is to vitiate it. To impair or weaken the effectiveness of something is also to vitiate it. To debase, corrupt, or pervert something is to vitiate it. So you can see how kind of like the physical definitions there apply to almost something more spiritual. You could debase someone, corrupt someone, pervert someone, and really you're sort of perverting their mind, right? Whereas the first definition is you were impairing the quality of something probably physically. And the last definition is to make legally defective or invalid, invalidate. So it has a legal application as well. So I'm guessing those people who might be in the, uh, what am I trying to say? Those who might be in the legal department of, of a company or whatever are probably familiar with the word vitiate or if you're studying law you're probably familiar with vitiate so when we think of vitiate just think of decreasing the quality of something so taking something that maybe once was pure and making it impure or spoiling it vitiate so if we're making something worse if we're decreasing the effectiveness of something if we're tarnishing or tainting something or removing something from its original quality that those would be examples of vitiation. All right. And then here's our clever, but stretched out way. We're going to try to remember vitiate. So on mnemonicdictionary.com, a user recommended thinking of vitiate sounds like fish. He ate. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think of fish, I don't know. Fish gross me out. They just smell. They, they usually smell nasty. Have you ever smelled spoiled fish? Oh my God. It's like the nastiest thing you can smell. So fish he ate, fish he ate was spoiled. Fish he ate was spoiled. So if you just think of fish and maybe you have a connection in your mind with fish and spoiling, which I do, it'll help you remember vitiate. And one of the ways is just spoiling, decreasing the quality of something, right? So fish he ate, fish he ate. Because of the obnoxious behavior of the defendant, the judge instructed the jury not to allow their personal feelings to vitiate their objectivity of the case. Ooh, I like that. Because of the obnoxious behavior of the defendant, the judge instructed the jury not to allow their personal feelings to vitiate their objectivity of the case. You made a good decision, so don't vitiate it by boasting about your success. The defendant's attorney Use the profile presented by the psychologist to vitiate the circumstantial evidence against his client. Even though we believe nothing can vitiate a mother's love, 
we still occasionally hear tragic stories about mothers harming their children. If you think crossing your fingers behind your back is going to vitiate the promise you made, think again. What a weird word, vitiate. I don't think I would ever use this word just because I think it sounds so peculiar. Decreasing the quality of something, vitiating it. Hmm. But maybe it's a good word to know. I don't know. Vitiate. All right. Let's move on to our next word, which is usury. It's got kind of a weird pronunciation when you look at it. Usury, spelled U-S-U-R-Y. Usury. This one's probably not phonetic. Most of the words we cover, I feel like, are fairly phonetic. This one, I doubt so. Usury. U-S-U-R-Y. It's a noun, and it refers to the lending or practice of lending money at an exorbitant interest. An exorbitant amount of rate or of interest, especially in excess of the legal rate. So it would be an, an illegal rate of interest. And then the obsolete definition is interest paid for the use of money. So sometimes historically, usury was just used as a word that represented receiving interest off of any money, no matter how big or small the interest was. I remember back in some of my philosophy classes, there was some big debate about usury, and it didn't refer to excess or excessive interest rate. It just referred to the morality of interest as a whole. Usury. Usury, the lending or practice of lending money at an exorbitant interest rate. So I think the last time I came across what I would consider usury, it wasn't illegal usury, but it certainly was usury in my mind, is when I read the fine print of my credit card bill. Or not my bill, but my credit card uh, terms of service or whatever. I don't know if you guys even read those, but you should read them one day and you'll be you'll be flabbergasted by the amount of interest that you have to pay if you don't start paying your bill off. And I myself have very, very good credit and my interest rate is still crazy on my credit card. I don't even know, it's something like 18 or 25%. Last time I checked it, that was probably 10 years ago, but I doubt it's changed since then. So if you read the fine print of your credit card bills and terms of services and all that, I think you guys will be surprised. There's definitely some usury in there. What do you guys think? I mean, what what do you guys think of usury, right? What do, you, what do you think of it? Is it is it moral to charge someone excessive interest rate? I mean, after all, you know, if, I think I think an argument could be made, a pretty strong argument could be made for either side, right? I mean, I voluntarily signed up for my credit card. I wasn't forced to sign up sign up for my credit card, so I'm agreeing to these terms of service when I'm signing that little piece of paper or whatever that's stating if I don't pay it, then I have a 25% increase in interest or whatever it is. Yet at the same time, it's kind of crazy. You know, you can make that argument for usury, but at the same time, you can say, well, these financial institutions are probably receiving money from our government, which is tax funded, right? And then that that money that they're receiving, you know, uh, is is then being lend lended out to us at a high interest rate. Isn't that how it works with the Fed and all that? I used to study that stuff, and I don't entirely remember how it works, but I'm pretty sure the Fed either creates money just by altering interest rates and that money then is then loaned to our banks nationally and then those banks lend us money right in the form of mortgages and credit card statements and all that so i think there's i think there's some usury going on there for sure i don't i don't think that the the banks aren't culpable to some degree i think we can hold them uh, to some sort of accountability for charging us usury but that's for another podcast. So usury is just a lending or practice of lending money and an exorbitant interest.
rate. There's a reason for the biblical bans on usury. Oh, wait, before we get into this, let's talk about the way we can remember it. So I couldn't find much. I couldn't come up with much. A user on Mnemonic Dictionary said that usury reminds him of treasury, which involves money, and that somehow reminded him thinking of treasury and lending money at a very high interest rate. But it could be one of those things where if you can just think of usury and treasury, treasury will be enough for you to think, okay, money, and then somehow deep in your subconscious, you'll unlock the definition of usury, which you'll just connect it between interest rates, high interest rates, and treasury and money and usury. That's the goal anyway. Whether or not it'll happen, who knows? There's a reason for the biblical bans on usury. In a zero-growth world, lending money at interest is quite likely to ruin people. When borrowing money, check the interest rate for usury because you do not want to pay an extreme rate of interest. The dishonest lender's usury caused hundreds of people to lose their homes when they failed to meet the high interest payments. People with poor credit often have no choice but to accept the usury offered by high interest rate lenders. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking, uh, when was it? I think when I bought my house many years ago when the market was very, very low. I got my house for a super cheap rate. I think I had the option of a, what do they call it? A steady rate of interest. There's a different word. Oh, fixed rate is what it was called versus variable rate. And I definitely went with the fixed rate because I think there was people who had gone with the variable rates of interest, which fluctuate according to the market. And they're just kind of whimsical. They just go up and down based on whatever the market's doing. I think whatever the Fed is doing with the interest rates. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want my the, my monthly payment to reflect what some financial god in the Federal Reserve is deciding to do with the market. It just sounds a little too whimsical to me. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds a little too scary. Laws have been enacted to prevent corrupt moneylenders from offering loans at a rate of interest that constitutes usury. So I guess before I done uh, before I did this podcast, I could have Googled usury and see if I could have found some recent court cases. That would have been kind of interesting, but I did not. So I think that wraps it up for episode 23, you guys. I did this super early in the morning, right after I right after I woke up. So I feel like I'm a little out of it right now. So if this podcast has a little, or if this episode has a little different feel than my other episodes, that would be why. I think I'm still trying to wake up. But anyhow, let's go through our four words, contumacious, florid, vitiate, and usury, and let's just see if we can come up with some loose associations or remember the mnemonic that we use for each one of these words. All right, first word was contumacious. What does contumacious mean? Does it bring up any loose associations when you think about the word? What does contumacious mean? We talked about the contumacious dogs at the pound. Yeah, stubbornly perverse or rebellious, willfully and obstinately disobedient, contumacious. And then our next word was florid. And I think I talked about some cars being overly florid for my taste or a king's florid attire. Yes, it can mean red, ruddy, rosy, or the better definition is something that's just really showy, florid. And then the next word was vitiate. Vitiate. What was our mnemonic for that? Vitiate. We said fish he ate, and then fish we're supposed to make a connection with spoiling. 
So if we're spoiling something, we're decreasing the quality of it, vitiating it. We're, remo we're removing it from its pure state and making it impure if we vitiate it. And then our last word was usury. This is the funny looking word, U-S-U-R-Y, usury. And what does usury mean? Nice. It means lending money at an excessive interest rate, usury. Sweet. So that wraps it up for Nick Snack for Neologisms, episode 23. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, please leave me a review on iTunes. It lets me know how I'm doing, and I think it also helps others find my podcast as well. And if you'd like to make a donation, just Google Nick Snack for Neologisms. You can find my website, and then from there, you can click on the little gray donate button, and it will bring you to a link in PayPal where you can submit your donation. And thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on episode 24. Bye-bye.